Good afternoon, everyone. On behalf of the Asian American Lawyers Association of Massachusetts, uh, thank you for attending this program, which is titled Our Pathways to the Bench. Um, I think it's important to start with a distinction. Uh, there are many programs titled Pathways to the Bench or Journey to the Bench, but this one is titled Our Pathways to the Bench, which is intentional uh, in a recognition that the path to becoming a judge for an Asian American attorney is not the same as any other group. It's, it's unique, nuanced, and frankly, not spoken about enough. Um, there aren't enough Asian American judges on the bench in Massachusetts. Um, we have some fantastic judges, but not enough of them. Um, and there are many, many reasons, issues at play for why there aren't more, uh, too many to tackle in one panel. But one of our goals today is to draw more interest from Asian American lawyers uh, to become judges. This means talking about career paths and getting there, talking about the process for becoming a judge and also what it's like to be a judge, uh, all the while taking into consideration the unique hurdles uh, that Asian lawyers face uh, in trying to become a judge. So we have, uh, last I checked, 72 registrants today. That makes me so happy. Um, maybe there's a future judge in the crowd uh, and this program is gonna make all the difference for them. Um, so first, some very quick thank yous because I know I'm going to run out of time at the end. Uh, thank you, uh, fellow board member, uh, Leslie, Sue, uh, for all the work you've uh, put into planning this. Thank you, Boston Bar Association for hosting us on your platform. Thank you, Judge Liu and Judge Pasquale for uh, helping us brainstorm about outreach to our all members and beyond. Uh, so we're so fortunate today to have three AAPI judges with us all of whom took different paths to becoming a judge. Um, I'll have them introduce themselves in a second. Uh, they've so kindly offered to be part of this panel to share their unique journeys to becoming judges as well as what their lives are like as judges. So let's do some introductions. I'll start. Uh, my name is Garrett Lee. Uh, I'm co-managing partner of Morgan & Morgan in Boston. And I appear in Massachusetts Superior Court and District Court very frequently. So this panel uh, is especially meaningful to me. Um, judges, can you just, I'm going to ask you to please just start with your name, which court you sit at, uh, and a little bit about your background, like where you grew up. Uh, we'll start with uh, Judge Liu, if you don't mind starting us off. Okay, uh, so I'm Jack Liu. I'm a, a justice of the Superior Court. I was a Boston Municipal Court for five years, and then for the past 15 years, I've been a Superior Court judge. I was, uh, grew up in Tewksbury. Uh, and I was a uh, criminal defense lawyer as a lawyer. Uh, and that's probably a brief bio. Great. Um, Judge Ham. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Catherine Hom. I'm currently uh, uh, the newest member of the Superior Court. I was appointed recently in November of 2021, a couple months ago or a month ago. Um, prior to that, I was in the Boston Municipal Court for two years um, uh, with Judge Jun. Um, and after being in Boston Municipal Court for two years, I applied again to Superior Court and I've been sitting in Suffolk Superior Court in civil session uh, for about a month and a half. Um, prior to taking the bench, I was a state prosecutor uh, for about 15 years um, and uh, I prosecuted sexual assaults and mostly homicide cases prior to taking the bench. 
Um, but I will say that my actual first courtroom experience was not as a lawyer or even as a law school student or a legal intern. My first courtroom experience was as an awkward seventh grader translating for my parents in small claims court. Um, my parents owned a small dry cleaner store near Philadelphia area. And whenever there was a damage in goods or clothing, I would have to be summoned to go translate for them. So that was actually my first courtroom experience. And I never thought that I would even become a lawyer who my parents couldn't afford. Um, little more so, never could I have ever imagined I would be a judge. So um, I'm thankful to be here and um, to talk about our experiences and to answer your questions. Thank you. Judge John? Right. Well, we missed uh, Judge Hom already. Um, so I am um, a justice in the Boston Municipal Court. Um, I'm in my eighth year, having been appointed in 2014 by Governor Patrick. Uh, before that, I was a lawyer for um, a little bit over 15 years, doing mostly civil rights litigation um, and um, as a criminal defense attorney. Thanks so much. So um, our questions today are gonna be answered uh, towards those three judges, but Judge Pasquale, we have the honor of having you here as well. If you don't mind just introducing yourself to everyone also. Good, thanks, Garrett. Uh, my name is Greg Pasquale. Uh, I'm an Associate Justice uh, also on the Superior Court. Uh, I'm in my eighth year. Uh, I was appointed in 2014 by Governor Patrick. Uh, prior to that, uh, I practiced law for just shy of 30 years. Uh, I started out as an Assistant District Attorney in Middlesex County. Uh, and then I uh, did some work at a law firm, a lot of just, uh, just civil litigation. Uh, one of their big clients was an automobile insurance company. So we did insurance defense work and personal injury. And then for the last, I think 22 years of practicing, I did uh, almost solely a plaintiff's medical malpractice work. Uh, I grew up in Medford. Uh, which is a city just north of uh, Boston. Um, both, neither one of my parents had a college education uh, and I went to uh, BC Law and I'm happy to say I'm a triple eagle, BC High, Boston College undergrad and BC Law. Great, thanks so much everyone. And I will say when I looked at the registrant list, we have law students here from all over the country really. So. Thank you for providing that context geographically about where Medford was located. Um, Judge Jun, can you tell us, you know, where you went to law school, you know, what kind of lawyer you thought you were going to be going into law school? So I went to um, Suffolk uh, University Law School. Um, I've always known uh, that I wanted to be a um, civil rights lawyer, uh, but um, as I got into law school, um, I realized that you really can't make a living um, doing civil rights work. Um, I thought you had to uh, work, you know, in a nonprofit organization or maybe the ACLU. Um, but, you know, luck played um, a big part of uh, my life for a long time. <laughs> Um, at every stage, um, I felt like there was a stroke of luck that brought me to the next stage. Um, so when I was in, uh, I guess my second year, I was still working in retail because uh, I was going to school nighttime. And my wife said, you know, you, you, you have to 
go get a job in the legal field somewhere doing something. Otherwise, you're not going to have a job when you graduate law school. Um, so I did. I got a job as a paralegal at a small firm. I was a general practitioner. Um, got to see all kinds of cases, certainly criminal cases, but I got to see uh, personal injury cases, um, divorce cases, um, tax cases. Um, knew exactly uh, what I didn't want to do. Um, but I, I, I was introduced to the Lawyer's Weekly publication while I was working for that uh, lawyer. Uh, one day I was uh, leafing through uh, the classifieds and, and saw an ad uh, from an attorney uh, who specialized in civil rights litigation. Um, I called him up. He was looking for a paralegal. I said, I'm available. I interviewed, I got the job. Um, and so I started off doing what I wanted to do, which was uh, civil rights litigation for the first 10 years. Um, and then, um, I, you know, there was always a part of me that wanted to do criminal defense work, but uh, the boss that I was working for, he had given that up back in the 80s. Uh, and, and, and so after a couple of years of uh, negotiating with him, uh, with his blessing, I opened uh, up my own firm. And so I did criminal defense work for about seven years before I got appointed. Fantastic. Um, Judge Chun, just as a follow-up question, what was it that, uh, that, that sort of had you gravitate towards uh, the civil rights law to start with? It sounds like you knew what you wanted to do at a very young age. I did. Um, and again, a stroke of luck. I didn't know any lawyers growing up. Um, I didn't even know there was a profession uh, uh, such as uh, a lawyer. Um, but I was in middle school. Um, there was a law club and a local lawyer came in um, every other week. And uh, I happened to uh, um, go in that day because a friend of mine um, said, come with me. So I sat down and I was introduced to um, Miranda v. Arizona. And I fell in love. Uh, you know, the idea that um, we have these constitutional protections, um, not just for the benefit of the accused, but really, uh, um, it's intended to protect all of us as citizens. Um, and, and so I stayed. Um, and then I was introduced to Gideon v. Wainwright was the next case, uh, Matt v. Ohio, you know, cases like that. Um, and, and that's the day that I decided uh, that I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I started looking into uh, the possibility. And I grew up in New York. Um, in Brooklyn and Queens. And around that time, you know, the New York had these specialized schools. And in 1984, they uh, just created a magnet school for law studies. Uh, so I applied and I got accepted. Um, so I did pre-law high school for four years. That's amazing. I didn't know that sort of thing existed. Uh, Judge Hom, um, how about you? Can you tell us about, you know, where you went to law school? What kind of lawyer you thought you were going to be going into law school? So I have a little bit of an unconventional path as well. Um, I moved or immigrated to America from South Korea when I was 10 years old. And because of that, um, and not knowing any English, I was pretty much mute for over a decade. 
So um, I never thought that I was going to be a lawyer because I thought you'd have to be good in English and writing. And that was not something that I did. I was mute for, <laughs> I was a good student, but I, I didn't speak for, I never wanted to speak for a living. Um, so law school was not something that I, that was before me or in my path. Um, I didn't know any lawyers um, growing up, um, kind of like what Judge Jun said. But um, when I went to college, I, uh, dated my first boyfriend for 40 years in college. And uh, basically um, I recognized that as a senior in college, I saw that if I didn't get out of my area in Philadelphia, I was gonna be with him. And it was not a good situation. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was basically to flee. And, um, you know, it, it was luck of, opportunities um, that I ended up going to law school. I, I actually just took the LSATs. I didn't even apply to any law schools. So these are not things not to do law school students, um, but I didn't even apply to any law schools and I was worrying about what was gonna happen to me, um, whether or not it, I could get out of this situation, um, this relationship. And basically New England School of Law, never heard of it, never been to Boston, um, sent me a package saying that they would give me a full scholarship. I thought six hours drive is long enough drive for me. So I basically came knowing nothing, not knowing any kind of law that I would pursue. Um, and my second year in law school at New England, I was studying family law and I learned about domestic violence. And I realized that that's exactly what I was in without I, I guess not wanting to label what I was in and why I wanted to flee this relationship, um, I realized that I was in a domestic violence relationship. So I think from that point on, when I recognized myself, who was a pretty smart person who couldn't be pushed around, recognizing that this is what kind of relationship I had been in, I wanted to um, definitely wanted to do legal services recognize that New England or being in New England was a great location for a great place to do it rather than going to a law firm. And I went to uh, legal services um, representing victims of domestic violence in Worcester. I started out in Worcester because I couldn't get a job anywhere. Um, and I started out there doing domestic violence law, representing victims of um, and, and doing all any kind of law, uh, benefits, family law. And I was there for a year and a half until I realized um, I actually really like speaking for a living or arguing in court. And it was something that no one ever said, hey, you know what you're gonna be good at, Kat? You know what you look like you're gonna be good at? Really being in the forefront and speaking in front of people and convincing people because that's not something Asian Americans are known to be good at. We're good to be researchers or writers toiling away in the back, but we're not the ones that represent the case. Um, so when I recognized that I really, really like litigating and I was actually good at it, um, someone had advised to me that I should apply to the district attorney's office and that's all you're gonna do. And that's why I ended up being in the district attorney's office, what I thought was gonna be you know, two years, because when you start out in the DA's office back then, I made $29,000. Shout out to my husband who supported me. I think he's part of the alum member and he's listening. Um, and, and it became, you know, 15 years of passionate work of litigating. And, um, and I found my true passion, which is, you know, uh, trial advocacy. And without being corny, 
you know, I really found my true voice when I was advocating for people who didn't have any voice. And, and I feel like I really thrived once I became a lawyer um, and, and in terms of kind of true advocacy, so. Fantastic, um, thank you. Uh, Judge Liu, how about you? Uh, where did you go to law school and you know, what kind of lawyer did you think you wanted to be? Oh, you're not on mute. Still on mute. So I'm mute, Judge Lou. Yep. I think you'll have to start your whole answer over. <laughs> there we That's go. That's great that I had to have you do that since I've been on Zoom for approximately four hours today already. Um, <laughs> I'm here to provide a counterpoint to these uh, inspiring stories uh, with my narrative. Uh, so I, I had a very privileged background and I went to, you know, and I, like everybody else, I was a very good student, but I was unmotivated somewhat. Uh, and uh, I did what you should do if you want to find yourself naturally. I went to law school. And then, uh, uh, but anyway, so uh, my level of analysis was so superficial that I just wanted lots of excitement. So I, I wanted to be a trial lawyer. You know, of course, it's the old axiom that you should uh, watch out what you wish for. Uh, so, uh, so uh, I, be, you know, I took like a lot of clinical classes and stuff uh, at a time when those were on the rise in law schools very much. And I uh, took a job as a trial public defender with uh, just, uh, it's actually similar to an assistant district attorney, but the opposite. Uh, and uh, I did that and, uh, and we were off and running, but I didn't, do because, I didn't do it because I felt a calling. I did it because it seemed interesting. Thank you for that, it's great. Um, so one question I have, and uh, actually Judge Liu, I'll go, I'll go right back to you. Uh, did you at any point in your career have any uh, mentors, uh, as your, your career as an attorney, have any mentors that were judges or otherwise? Uh, no, not really. Not mentors in the, uh, mentors that were judges. The answer is no. I had no uh, mentors that were judges. Obviously, there are judges who, in a, you know, influence you profoundly in their behavior. Uh, and I'm hoping that on my behalf, it's 99.9% uh, .9 positive. Uh, but the uh, no, I didn't have any mentors that were judges. Great. We're coming up with a big fat zero on that one. <laughs> How about you, Judge Ham? Any mentors um, that were judges? Yeah, I mean, um, importantly, I want to say mentors can be anybody. It could be anyone who's six months ahead of you. It could be, you know, it doesn't have to be judges. Um, but I think that mentorship is very important. For me, um, unlike a lot of lawyers, I would say 95% of the lawyers don't get to go into court every day. Um, I did, that was my office. So I, I saw judges all the time. So I had the benefit and I am convinced that this is the only reason why I'm a judge now because I was a trial litigator. I would have not done well at a firm. Um, I, I think that it, in just my personality, I think that I thrived in, in the courtroom and judges took um, interest in me, thankfully, and I have many judges, um, thankfully, 
in district court, um, judges of color uh, who took an interest in me and, and pushed me. You know, for me, the ever glimmer of hope that I could ever become a judge, which I never thought, I, I never be, became a lawyer wanting to be a judge. And even halfway or end of my legal lawyer career, I never thought I could be a judge until somebody pushed me to do it. Um, but the only glimmer of, of hope that I ever had on my own was when I saw Judge Chen, Judge Dick Chen um, in Brockton Superior Court, who is the first um, Asian American judge to be appointed in 1980, also an alumni of BMC. Um, and when I saw, when I walked into court and I saw him and I, I did a lot of trials in front of him, that was the first time I ever saw someone in real life besides Judge um, Ito and OJ Simpson, who was an Asian American judge that I saw on TV for the first time. But in real life, he was the first person. And I think he was a, like just seeing a visual and Judge Liu doesn't remember this, but when I was a young prosecutor, there was a prosecutor and defensive defenders kind of um, trial advocacy class that Judge Liu came and kind of gave us advice on. So Judge, don't assume I don't remember. Don't assume I don't remember. <laughs> I'm, I'd like to think that I was a superstar, so you do remember, but I don't, I don't know if you do, but I remember Judge Liu who, who, wasn't, who influenced me. So these are just seeing judges that look like you was a glimmer of hope for me. And then it really took um, judges who really pushed me to apply, but, um, yeah, I was more than lucky um, to have a lot of people around me, but I also sought it out because I could. So I did a trial and I would say, how do I, how did I do? How can it be better? Um, but you don't have to have judges who are mentors. And if you don't see them, but you see us in other programs or a lot, you could seek us out You and you should. Um, so that's, that's my answer to Garrett's question. Can I amend my answer? I didn't have any mentors, but I had judges who supported my first application to be a judge to the BMC, you know, almost sort of formally. Uh, but but I, it wouldn't be uh, accurate to say they were my mentors because we didn't have an ongoing uh, relationship except uh, in the courtroom. Okay. So was it, is it fair to say as, as you get to uh, and know judges by being in the courtroom so much, you know, sometimes there, there are judges that uh, identify people that, you know, they actually want to support in becoming a judge. I take that as a personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Yeah, that's almost, or, or actually is, I would say that's a formal policy of the trial court now, that judges, I mean, to be very blunt, uh, to uh, promote uh, the recruitment of qualified, including people of color, uh, lawyers to be judges. Uh, and we're actually rather regularly reminded, and I'm confident that the judges on the Superior Court on this call will support me on that, uh, and pressured to uh, recruit uh, diverse uh, judges. Great. I second that, Judge Lou. Thank you. Uh, Judge John, how about you? Uh, any any mentors that were judges, and what's your experience with judges when you were an attorney? Pretty similar to uh, Judge Lou's. Um, I had a lot of mentors, um, you know, um, but none of them were judges. Um, and like Judge Hom, I don't think I ever even thought about applying. But it was, uh, uh, you know, um, 
appearing before judges in court. And after a trial, a judge would say, you know, uh, call me up to sidebar, ask, have you ever thought about it? Um, and then I think a year before I actually did apply, um, a, a couple of my friends um, got on the bench and, and um, they, you know, they were very helpful in telling me that, you know, this job is well suited for my um, personality. Um, and, it, and it took a lot of convincing, I think, for them, uh, because I, I really liked being an advocate, being a litigator. And the idea, and at that time, um, you know, I had, remember just, um, I had opened my uh, own practice and the first few years were tough, but, you know, uh, going into my seventh year, um, I was doing pretty well. And, and, I, and I felt like I was establishing myself, not just, um, you know, reputation wise, but really financially, I wasn't worried anymore. Um, so it took, I think, a lot of convincing on their part. And, um, but, you know, if, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have applied. So um, like Judge Lou um, said, I think uh, we do have um, an affirmative obligation uh, to reach out um, and, and to encourage people to do that. That's fantastic. I think it's really encouraging to know that, you know, judges are, on the lookout for people that could be good judges uh, and people that are going to be diverse candidates as well. So that's, that's good to know. Um, judge John, I'm going to go back to you about uh, involvement in bar associations when you were an attorney before you became a judge. Can you tell us about any involvement you had? Sure. Um, I was actively involved in a lot of organizations, um, certainly with alum, um, but also with the Mass Bar Association um, and other you know, community organizations. Um, with Alam, I was president from 2003 to 2005. Um, I stayed involved for a long time uh, with the Mass Bar Association. Um, you know, I was on their executive management board. I was on their you know, different committees. Um, and, um, you know, it gave me an opportunity to uh, really um, get to meet people from different walks, in, walks of life, um, talk to them about their practice, their settings, um, get some advice from more seasoned and experienced um, trial lawyers. Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. You think that um, involvement in the bar associations in any way played a role in you eventually deciding to become a judge and, and getting your name out there and, and people wanting you to become a judge? Um, yes, I, I, I absolutely think it had something to do with it. I mean, I can't, I mean, look, you know, you look at the JNC, uh, the executive order from the governor, and it says, you know, it's supposed to be uh, completely partisan free. Um, and that it's um, um, politics uh, don't play any part, um, you know, but it, it, fellow um, practitioners are the ones who are on these committees, right? And commissions. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't know everyone uh, for sure, um, but there were individuals that I did know. Um, and, and for those individuals that did know me, um, I'm sure my having known them and, and my committee work on different bar associations, um, you know, if, if they opposed me in cases, um, we got to know each other. Um, so I'm sure uh, uh, it had some uh, some effect. Judge Hom, um, were you involved in any bar associations as an attorney? So um, my first 10 years um, as a prosecutor was in Plymouth County, which was in Brockton. And I lived in Brookline or Cambridge. So I commuted two hours a day and I had three children. So that's not a good excuse, folks. You should be involved. And the answer should be yes, you should all be involved because it can only help you um, in many, many different ways. I wish that I had started earlier. I just didn't have time. I was trying cases, three kids, two hours of commute. First of all, I didn't even know, to be honest with you, all, that all these organizations occurred, but I think it because it is mostly focused in Boston. It, 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 I didn't, I was not involved. And I remember I first joined Alam and someone said to me, my husband and I joined at the same time and we've been lawyers for some time. And someone said to me, where have you been this whole time? And I said, I don't know. I, I just, I was not. And I wish that I had, because I think that, um, you know, the world is so small, the world of lawyers and, and your reputation is everything. And, and I was satisfied with my courtroom reputation, but I think there's beauty in learning about different lawyers out of different fields um, in, in law firms and government and in all kinds of different areas. And I just didn't get that because, and I was so insular. When I moved to Suffolk to be in the district attorney's office, my children were a little bit older. I was able to, and I felt like, although I was just as busy, um, able to kind of join. And I was really involved with BBA right before I took the bench. Um, Alam, although I did not join you um, until late, you welcomed me with open arms. I remember contacting someone and saying, you know, I got, you know, JNC interview and, and, and Alam just didn't even know who I was and just welcomed me within days, did a mock interview. So um, it doesn't matter, I guess, how long you've been involved, but you should be involved because I think rather than just talking about your professional career, whether or not it's going to help you, I think it's good for you socially. And I think it's good for the civility of lawyers. Um, so I was involved with a lot um, a BBA um, as well as Alam. And now as a judge, I feel like I see the beauty in that I've grown up and I see the beauty in um, being involved in more associations. And, and, and so I, I have become a lot more involved in terms of since becoming a judge, but um, that's why I, I really want to open myself up to anybody who's in any affinity bars, um, because I feel like I've lost a, a lot of the opportunity my first ch chunk of my career. Well, thanks for that. Thank you. Um, Judge Liu, were you active in any bar associations as an attorney? Uh, I was active in a few of them. Uh, the uh, Greater Lowell Bar Association and the Mass Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. Uh, I don't really see it as having much of a role in my appointment though, uh, to the kind of uh, just 
you know, there's uh, the conventional wisdom is that every judgeship is unique uh, in how it came about. And uh, so for me, the bar associations were not a key role, uh, but there are good things socially and uh, mental health wise. And, you know, and so we, we use them as social outlets. Uh, and, uh, but I don't, I don't uh, really attach much to it in terms of, for me, the way my uh, appointment happened, uh, the bar associations having much effect. Meeting lawyers in court every day though, that's, that was key for me. And many of them were involved in bar associations, but that sort of uh, social collegial contact uh, was critical for me, I think, but not a bar association. Fantastic, thank you. Um, I'm gonna move on to some questions about, you know, I've been asking questions about you guys as lawyers, uh, but I'm gonna start with um, going back to you, Judge Lou, when did the idea first cross your mind that you were going to wanted to be a judge? First time you wanted to be a judge? Uh, it, it was not when I was coming out of the womb. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm the uh, my consistent uh, motif here is that uh, you know uh, life happens and it's not planned, uh, and uh, it gets all turned around and you can't really be sure about anything. So I think uh, my first solid, I remember getting a tour as a brand new public defender in Boston Municipal Court. And, you know, they pointed to the judge's bench and everything like that, but I did not have a calling to be a judge. I just thought that's the top person in that environment. So I wanted to be the top person in that environment. I, I, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, and it, so you don't need to have to feel that you've been personally anointed uh, to be a judge. You so was it sort of was it sort of in the back of your mind once you first started uh, as a public defender, or that you might get there one day, or you might want to? Oh, it very there? definitely was a goal. You know, uh, everybody is different. I had it. You know, so I you know I landed in this job as a public defender, and uh, thought, well, the the person, uh, the top person in this environment is the judge. I think I want to be the judge, you know? Like that. So, but, uh, you know, obviously it's an attractive job uh, uh, also to someone before being a lawyer in law school and before, but I didn't, you know, I haven't been planning since I was mulling my career in college on being a judge. I just was trying to have uh, an interesting life, you know, as a very wise, 22, 25, 29 year old, whatever they are. Thank you, Judge. Judge Ham, uh, how about you? When is, when is the first time the thought of becoming a judge crossed your mind? So my first glimmer of hope was, glimmer of thought was when I saw Judge Chen. Um, but then it just went away because you just get busy. And I was in Suffolk DA's office in the middle of a murder trial, wanted to pull my hair out, never seeing my kids, you know, um, but that I loved it. I love being a trial attorney and I still miss it. I, that probably means I haven't been on the bench long enough. Um, so I, I loved it, but obviously when you are in the trial courts and you're in the criminal world, especially you see, you, it's a very small world. And a lot of people that, you know, might get on the bench and, um, you know, it, I knew that people were applying. I knew that, but it never crossed my mind that I would do it. 
until a district court judge that I was in front of when I was very young, um, who kept in touch with me, she called me up and she said, what are you doing? Why are you applying? And I said, well, I don't have enough experience. And she said to me, you've done hundreds of jury trials. What are you talking about? Why don't you have experience? And, and so um, she actually forced me after my jury trial to take a week off to write my application. Um, she forced me to take that week off. Um, so this was a push and um, I, I still, you know, um, to this day, don't know if I would have done it to be honest, but um, you know, I, am, I was also motivated by the fact that there was no one uh, who looked like me on the bench as much. And also I remember being on it as a lawyer, it wasn't that long ago how certain people treated me. Um, and as a, as a woman of color doing high profile, serious trial cases, it, it, it dawned on me that it was important how the judge treated you. I don't want personal favors, but um, learning to pronounce my name after being with you for three weeks would be nice. You know, there were things that I, I said, well, if I wanna be a judge, I wanna be something different. Um, so it's not that I wanna change the culture of everything, but I, I, I wanted to be treated a certain way um, that I wasn't by all judges. So um, that was a motiva motivation, but mostly uh, had I not had this judge who forced me to take this week off, you know, and, and for me, the application process was easy because if you ever look at the application process and Gary, you might ask that question, so I won't jump to it. Um, having done a lot of trials, it was something that was um, easy for me to passionately write the application about. Um, but, um, yeah, so that it was a it was a process for me, and I I am very grateful that I had people around me that supported me and pushed me, um, and I think a lot of us, particularly you know Asian Americans, we are not going to push ourselves or think that this is something. And don't I mean I guess people call it many different things, imposter syndrome, whatever. But the idea that I didn't think that I was qualified is it was, you know, that was always in my mind, still in my mind, to be honest with you, but um, it's not always in everyone's mind that applies. Um, so. Thank you. Judge John, how about you? When, when did the idea of becoming a judge uh, first pop up for you? The year before I applied. Um. <laughs> You know, like I said, I, you know, I was very happy with uh, my life at that point. I didn't want to give up my practice. Um, but, uh, you know, having multiple people tell you, uh, think about it, um, and, and letting you know that it, it is a, um, a fulfilling job, uh, letting me know what they do on a daily basis. Cause you know, when you're practicing, you don't pay attention to the guy up there. Right. Um, you just do your thing. Um, and you don't think about what it must be like if you're a judge, you don't think about it. Um, so I'm glad uh, that I had, uh, friends who, um, you know, cared enough to, you know, at least consider, uh, um, the possibility that I could be one 
Um, and, and once, you know, that seed is planted in your head, um, I, I think you do think about it. Um, and, and after about a year, uh, I applied. Um, you know, like Judge Hom said, and, and, you know, as you're hearing from all of us, you can see that there's no one linear path um, to, to the bench, right? I mean, we all have different backgrounds and, you know, e even different upbringings and um, different interests and all of that. Um, but I think what's important is that uh, we all um, look out for, you know, those individuals that would, uh, we think are, uh, uh, would be good on the bench and, and encourage them. Because like Tom said, you know, most of us um, self-doubt, right? Um, I heard somewhere that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people um, operate um, under the philosophy of fake it until you make it. Um, I think that's the opposite of most um, Asians. I think it might be, it's our culture to um, always um, downplay, right? Um, um, our own um, abilities, our own skills, and, and uh, the idea of looking ahead and saying that that's uh, what I want to go for uh, seems, uh, you know, having ambition sometimes um, while your parents are like, you know, you, you know, it, it, make sure you do well at the same time, you know, vocalizing and verbalizing uh, those ambitions um, are looked at negatively, I think. Um, and so culturally, I think it's difficult. Um, but once you can get, get past that, right, and, and start really thinking about, all right, um, what do I have? Do I really have an interest in doing that? Um, and then you start laying down a plan, I think. Um, and that's when, you know, uh, consulting with people, um, talking to them, um, that's helpful. And that's sort of the segue uh, to my next question in terms of, you know, once you've made that decision, well, I could see myself being, being a judge. Um, I imagine at some point, you know, I, I know you guys all looked at the judicial application at some point. Um, what was your reaction uh, when you first saw that? And was it, did you use it at all as a guideline for what you needed to do? Or um, Judge Jonah, I'll start with you. I wouldn't say that I looked at it as a guideline, although uh, I would recommend it. I mean, if you look at the application, uh, looking at you know, what, what the questions are, you kind of uh, get a sense of uh, what they're looking for in terms of um, you know, qualifications, um, whether um, you would be a good fit on the bench. And, and you can sort of get an idea from looking at the application, but I didn't uh, do that. What I did do was uh, uh, when I was finally sent over, because I, <laughs> I, I, they kept on asking, my friends kept on asking, did you look at it, did you look at it? And um, I, I would answer in the negative. And finally, one of them sent the application to me um, and, and I looked at it. And, and it was helpful for me in terms of looking at it and going um, and sizing myself up, right? And, and trying to be honest, um, is it even uh, worth um, putting my name out there? Um, you know, uh, there, there, 
you know, there's a feeling, I think, I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe it's common, I don't know, uh, but there's this um, uncertainty and um, a little bit of fear that you're putting yourself out there. Um, um, what's, what are the real chances and that sort of thing. Um, but for me, looking at the application um, and then um, um, looking at my sort of resume, thinking about how I would answer some of these questions, um, putting down my experience, um, that, that was sort of helpful, you know what I mean? Um, in, in terms of my own self-confidence um, to actually put my name out there. How far in advance to actually submitting your application did you, did you first look at that application? I'm sorry, say that again? Yeah, so how far, like, what was the time that passed in between when you first saw the application and then when you finally said, hey, this is ready to go in and you sent it in? So um, once I decided that I was going to fill out the application, it was quick, uh, but it was that decision uh, whether I, I was going to fill out that application that took a while. Um, but, um, you know, my background, similar to uh, Judge Lou's, um, I, I was never in the, I think actually Judge Lou might have been in the prosecutor's office. Um, I've never, I was never in the prosecutor's office and, and I always was under the uh, impression. Not, not me, not me. I was not <laughs> in the prosecutor's office. Okay. So I was under the impression uh, that uh, all judges had to have um, some experience in the prosecutor's office. And um, there were very few um, judges that I knew who were, who only did defense work and got on the bench. Um, and then I had um, what I thought was a real handicap, which was, you know, the first 10 years of my career, all I did was sue cops. Um, so uh, that was the big impediment in terms of uh, me uh, applying. But in term, but, you know, once I decided, then uh, it was, I think it only took like a month. It was just a matter of uh, gathering the information. Um, you know, what trials have I done? Who were the opposing counsel? Getting the docket numbers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely saw that application as a real impediment in terms of yeah. getting it done. I, I saw it as a big hurdle to get that thing written. Uh, so to give a little, uh, a different view on that, I was, it took me years to get it done. Yeah, Judge Lou, why don't you tell me a little bit more about that? When did you first, so you saw the judicial application years before you actually applied? I'm sure. I'm quite sure, yeah. I mean, it's been so many years that I can't remember, but uh, so that would have been, yeah, you know, I mean, let's be frank, I'm an ambitious person, or I was then anyways, let's put it that way. <laughs> Did you use that application as a guideline? Probably uh, 30 years ago when it all started, seriously, you know? Did you use the application as a guideline at all? To, like when you look at some of the questions, did, did it raise any thoughts like, well, I should probably do more of that or I should probably have something to write here? Um, it, would been, it would have been very smart to do so, but I did not. Uh, but, but I think all the, you know, like Judge Shun said, uh, it's, uh, you know, it gives you some idea as to what the criteria are. Yeah, but it's smart to look at the application 
which obviously is just a PDF, I assume, on the internet. Now just pull it down and take a look. And uh, it's natural to have culture shock as you imagine how long it's going to take a busy lawyer to fill that thing out. Probably a good idea. You looked at it a couple of years uh, in advance. Uh, probably a good idea for anyone that even thinks about being a judge to just look at it right away is my guess. Yeah, I'm quite sure I looked at it many years in advance, not a few. Okay. Judge Hom, how, how about you? What was your reaction when you first saw the application and how did you use it? So I'm going to give a warning to all the participants who might be thinking about becoming a judge, who might be printing this out after um, talking to us, that if you're a lawyer, young lawyer, old lawyer, or law school student, whoever you are, unless you're doing trials, jury trials, every single week or every single month, it's going to be intimidating. Um, so um, because if you ever look at it, it says five trials you've done, five jury trials, five jury trials you've done, five jury trials that you're most significant, the most recent jury trials, you know, and then at the end, anything that didn't go to trial. So if you are not a trial attorney, it is intimidating and you might just say, forget it. And this is where um, you should not be deterred. If you don't do trials, you can fill it out in different format or different ways that don't have to be trials. It could be cases that went to arbitration, cases where you worked on briefs. Um, so it, if you look at it literally, it is difficult for someone who is not a trial attorney. So uh, sure, print it out if you want. I personally, um, think that you should do what what you want to be as a lawyer that you feel passionate about then then if it leads you to becoming a judge great because i think that if you if you if you tailor your career however many years you because you have to have 10 years as as a, as a lawyer to be to apply as a judge so if you have two years as a, as a lawyer if you're trying to tailor it to become a judge and then you know you don't become one what does your career become i personally think uh, and this is my own opinion is that you should be a lawyer that you feel something passionate about it could be tax it doesn't have to be a murder case it could be anything that you feel like you can talk with passion or you feel very proud to present so even if you didn't have many tax trial attorneys, trial judges, trial, trials, you could actually say, these are five tax cases I've done or bankruptcy cases or wherever. Federal courts are different too, you know? So I, that's how I personally feel because if you tailor it, it's not gonna look authentic. And I, I don't know if you're gonna be enjoying it. Um, so I, I personally think that it's not that good of an idea to do it so early on in your career after close to your 10 years, maybe look at it, where can you firm it up if you really, this is what you really want. Um, but it, if you, it, it's gonna be very intimidating, it's gonna deter you. I, I don't think it hurts to print it out and see. It also is very important if you start out in your early career to keep a list of everything that you do. Um, someone early on told me, whenever you do a trial, bench trial, jury trial, anything, starting from district court when I started out, write the case, date, judge, attorneys, docket, what kind of a case. And um, that, that, if I didn't keep that, I don't know how I would have been able to look up 
anything or figure that out. Um, uh, so, and it doesn't have to be trials. If you're a transactional lawyer, just write down whatever's significant so that you have a memory of what you can, you know, what you can actually fill out in your um, in your application. But I think there's so many different methods. If you're so curious and you are so at, you know adamant and so anxious to become judge, sure, print it out and then figure out what you you know. You're not going to quit your job currently just to follow this to fill out this application. That's not something that you, but my, my, you know, I guess maybe, maybe a hokey answer is really, you should just do what you really love doing as a lawyer. Um, and, and because it, it will translate, the, everyone can sniff out an, a non-genuine answer. And um, I think that the reason why we are all able to move on, and I've recently done this process twice is because you know, I was passionate about whatever I was doing, and I was never doing it to become a judge. And um, so that's my answer. You do what you want to do. And I know everyone does things differently. Um, but um, so. Eric, can I'll, I just I'll, provide a, oh, sorry, go ahead, Judge Pasquale. Yeah, I just, thank you. I just wanted to follow up on what Judge Hom said. Um, while it is important um, to have jury trial experience, uh, I, I want to you know, echo her point is that you do not have to have a jury trial experience for it to be considered as a judge. I, I had been told when I was applying that there are certain portions of the questionnaire that are extremely important that the JNC looks at very, very closely. And I pulled out my old application went down memory lane this afternoon. The questions, and I don't know if these are the same questions as currently printed on the application, but the questions in the mid to late 70s, questions like 76, what are the four attributes or qualities you believe should be given the greatest weight in evaluating judicial candidates? Same question, same number. The same thing? And then, and then it's, and then the other questions are: What is the greatest strength of the court to which you are applying, and how would you preserve and improve upon that strength? Same what is time. the great, you know, <laughs> the, those changed. types of questions in the seventy in the seventies range are very, very important because they give the people who are evaluating you a sense of who you are and how you think, and that is as important, I think, as 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 how many jury trials you have, although. As I said, jury trial experience is, is important, but not the be all and end all. Yeah, I provide kind of, oh, sorry, did I interrupt you again? No, 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 you go ahead. I, I, I think I should uh, give some counter to that, you know, so uh, which is that uh, it is possible for you to plan your career, especially the earlier you start. It's, uh, people do take detours to try to be appointed a judge to be a uh, public defender or uh, assistant district attorney, a short detour. Well, I don't know if it's obvious, but likely for financial reasons, would, if you have more obligations, it becomes more difficult later in your career. So it's a good reason to look at it way, way ahead of time. And it, it, it's okay to take a detour uh, to get, because two years as a public defender or prosecutor, that checks a lot of boxes then you'll have a bountiful number of jury trials and that kind of thing. Uh, but I think it's worth also noting that uh, all of these other qualifications pale in compare, you know, lawyers are allowed to make political context. Uh, so 
judges are not. Judges that want promotion are not allowed to make political contacts. I mean, it's complicated, but I think that's a fair summary. Uh, so a lawyer uh, that wants to be a judge may want to uh, cultivate political contacts because that really overrules, pun intended, uh, a lot of the stuff. Um, and, uh, but the, it's a double-edged sword too. If you become a true political activist, it could be that uh, if you're on the wrong side of whatever the political divide is, you, you take yourself out of the running for being appointed a judge. So it goes both ways. Great. You know, these are great answers. Um, you know, I, when I looked at the, uh, the the list of registrants, there were people from civil firms or a lot of criminal attorneys. You know, that's one thing I want to ask about. You know, when applying, I've met a lot of people that were civil lawyers and they're discouraged and they think there's no way I could become a judge. I have no criminal experience. And I've even met some criminal lawyers that think I, I've, I've never done a civil jury trial. Um, what your guys' experiences, you know, with all the colleagues you know, and in terms of, you know, how how that's looked upon when people apply to be judges. Um, Judge Jun. So, um, if I understand the question correctly, um, are you asking about um, areas of law that I didn't anticipate? Yeah. Before coming on. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we all uh, tend to have our area of specialty, even if you don't call it that. Um, maybe you're um, entirely civil litigator, or maybe all you've done is criminal. I don't think um, uh, that is um, something that's going to stop you from becoming a judge. I mean, plenty of judges have come from both civil and criminal, and that's all they've done. Um, I think it does help that if you do have both, um, I think it does help. Um, you know, but it, when you first come on um, as a judge, it's an entirely different job. And, um, and the areas that, for example, in the Boston Municipal Court, um, while I've done some civil litigation, um, it was, you know, again, civil rights cases in federal court, not consumer debt collection or um, summary process eviction actions or um, things of that nature or reviewing, you know, agency administrative decisions. Um, so those were all new. Um, but, you know, we're, we're all trained um, as lawyers to be able to learn uh, new areas. Um, sure, there's a learning curve, um, but we all have the ability to learn, you know, a, a completely different area. Um, and maybe you're not comfortable in the beginning, but um, that's something that actually for me is a reason why the BMC is such a great court because of the variety um, uh, you know, not to say uh, 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 anything about the Superior Court, but the idea that I'm going to be in the civil uh, session for six months, uh, no thank you for me, um, you know. Um, I, so, you'll really eat those words in a few years. 
but, but you know, going to what Judge Hom said, you really have to uh, know, you know, who you are, what you, what do you want? Um, it has to fit you. Um, don't, um, yeah, don't go for something that you're not. But you know, don't be afraid uh, to apply because you're you've only done civil or you've only done transactional or you've only done criminal. If you have the passion to do it, you, you really think you can be a good judge. Um, I think you can overcome some of those other uh, challenges. Great, I like that answer. Um, judge Hom, just uh, asking you a question similar uh, to what Judge Jun just, just answered. How have you found uh, learning new areas of law that uh, you didn't handle as a lawyer? Yeah, so I was a horrible candidate because I was 100% criminal. So all the JNC and all the process, they said, how are you ever going to do civil? Um, even a BMC to Superior, those are my main questions. I also, I, I think they they um, obviously thought that I was too young. Um, and, and I think that has to do with being Asian American and not looking a certain age. Um, um, but so it was like my youth. Um, or youthful looks, I want to say, um, and and my lack of experience in civil. And um, for me, now sitting in civil in Superior Court, it is um, very different. And I really miss the busy, busy daily encounters with people at BMC. Um, I'm, I like being with people. I was really good with people. Um, but I also, this is such a challenge for me. All the stuff in civil, like every case that I look at is a bomb and I don't know it. I don't know what it is, so I have to look at it. And it is, um, I've never felt so invigorated. This is so, this is like the total nerd in me coming out. I, I am in this little office talking to nobody this this whole month, especially because we don't have any jury trials, civil or criminal. Um, and I come home and my husband's like, you've never looked more like excited. And it's so true for me. And, and that's how I know I'm in the right place because I feel um, humbled that there's so much I don't know that I also have the opportunity and get paid to learn and to make decisions. Um, so civil is a lot more exciting than I had thought in terms of the issues. Um, fighting over money is not that exciting, but the issues that I have to learn is so much more fascinating and there's so much to learn. So Judge John, I'll see you in, in civil session in Superior Court, hopefully. Um, so it's so much more exciting than I thought. And I, I, it's very humbling because I don't, I don't know it. And I think that there is no perfect candidate. So if you think that I've only done civil, I don't know criminal, you don't know how many judges in Superior Court and in state of Massachusetts, there's many people who've only done civil who are learning criminal. And like myself, who've never done civil and are learning civil. So don't, don't, do not let that deter you because that's everyone. No one is a perfect candidate. No one knows everything and you can't. Um, and that's what I'm learning. And I, I'm really excited about it. And um, it is scary to me how much of an introvert that I thought I was. Thank you. Judge Liu, uh, same question to you. You had a criminal background when you became a judge. Uh, you've been on the bench for a while uh, and you've obviously had to do civil uh, and learn it. So how was learning new areas of law for you? Sorry, I'm, uh, my computer is giving me a little bit of feed, feedback here. All right, so I'm good, sorry. Uh, 
you know, it's a challenge. So there's a learning curve. It's really for superior court judges. Uh, it's, uh, they're kind of like different jobs being on the district court and the BMC, which I was along with uh, my esteemed colleagues here and then going to the superior court. So uh, massive writing is something that you have to in one fashion or another get done. So that's, that's a reality. Uh, and I didn't do any civil really. Uh, so that was a big learning curve. On the other hand, uh, a trial, you know, like you have uh, these occupational categories, trial judges, appellate judges, something uh, I've seen is law professors. A law professor, an experienced one, can, who actually teaches torts and contracts for 20 years, can also learn antitrust law and teach it quite well. If they are really, well, I don't know about experience, but if they are a really good teacher, they can do that. A judge is a trial judge or an appellate judge. Those are two different categories. A trial judge, which is what we're really talking about, uh, can uh, adjudicate a uh, with, with if they're really good at it. And I, I, I want to say they're not born that way. It's probably experience in training. And training is very good in Massachusetts. Uh, they can decide any kind of case. I can decide any kind of case. I'm confident just because of essentially all the money that the state has invested in me. Uh, but, uh, you know, so that's my answer. Thank you. I'm going to ask a pretty nuts and bolts uh, question because I think it's going to be of interest to a lot of people that are watching us today. What's a day in the life of a judge like? Uh, uh, Judge Lou, I'll start with you. What's your day like? Might be a little different now than it was maybe a couple of years ago, but it's like the lawyers. I assume it's very heavy on Zoom. I've been sitting in a civil motion session, and we do a lot of. Uh, my colleagues will correct me on what the correct name is, but I think it's called the Judicial Settlement Conference. So we're doing loads of those. Uh, most uh, a heavy for me, a heavy percentage of everything is by Zoom. But then there are, you know, we just finished a, a, a three-week trial, jury trial in person uh, last month. Uh, and uh, that was pretty similar to the old way, except with social distancing and super strict protocols and slower, but not crazy slow. Uh, but so at the moment, jury trials are down. So I'm doing a lot of Zooms. I'm doing judicial settlement conferences. Some of those are in person. Uh, and there's kind of a heavy, for me, as a civil judge at the moment and for a, the entire pandemic, uh, a heavy, heavy civil motion practice. Uh, you know, it's, uh, so you know what that involves. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, one change, you know, when you went to the Superior Court was the, the big amounts of writing that you had to do. Um, so how much time would you say you spent actually sitting uh, on the bench, be that a virtual bench or a real bench, uh, and reading motions, getting ready for hearings and, and writing? Well, I can say for today, uh, including this seminar, I'm probably got, uh, well, you know what? I probably have six hours on Zoom today plus, a minimum of six, because I did a, a Zoom uh, judicial settlement conference uh, this morning that was very, very long. Uh, and uh, so I'm sure I have six hours on Zoom today. Uh, does that answer the question? I'm not sure that I answered the question. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, wow. Uh, the writing, though, is the real, uh, 
uh, challenge. And but that doesn't mean you have to be Ernest Hemingway. You just not have to know how to triage cases and manage highly capable staff attorneys. But there, then there are genius level judges like Judge Pasquale and Judge Harm and Judge John who write uh, novels for every decision and they never have the involvement of a staff attorney. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I think that since I was not a great writer in, in law school and I, and I was concerned about that. And I remember um, speaking to a superior court judge who I worked with um, and I, I asked him about that. And he, his advice to me was it's manageable and it is manageable. Um, and as uh, Judge Lou said, you have to triage those cases that are important. Uh, you know, I think in civil cases, uh, the statute gives the judges four months to give a, an opinion, but four months is an awful long time to ask um, litigants and lawyers to wait for a decision. So we try to, you know, get it under that amount of time. Certainly criminal cases should be done a lot sooner than that. Uh, but again, I wouldn't, if you don't happen to be the greatest uh, writer in the world, uh, you know, I would not let that dissuade you because not only is it manageable, but as Judge Lou says, there's some great staff attorneys that help uh, and uh, there's, a, there's great training uh, involved uh, to do that. So thank you. Yeah, don't let that stop you. If you hate yeah. writing, do not let it stop you. I'm going to be very frank. If, if you want to be a judge. Judge Ham, how about what is your typical day as a judge like? So a typical day is not it's not a very good good answer or question because of COVID. I mean, it, you know, um, I think before COVID, what BMC was like for me and Judge John is that you know we're in very busy courts. Basically, I think if you're in the criminal session, you're all day in arraignments, pretrials. You might be in the jury session, might be doing motions. Um, so, you know, district court is very different. Superior court is a lot more writing and a lot more, you know, uh, uh, that's what I'm realizing. Trials are much longer. It's not a one day, two, two day trials, it's, you know, longer. Um, you know, we also, we, we don't have any other judges in, from different, different courts, but there's probate court. If you're a probate attorney, that's a very different prospect as well. You know, you're not having jury trials, you know, juvenile court, land court, you know, there's so many appeals courts. So there's many different things that, and um, it, you know, for me, I guess the good answer is um, even in spirit court now, just being in my office and doing Zoom calls or pre preparing, um, I, I've, I've never thought like, oh my gosh, when's it going to be 4.30 um, so I can leave? And I, I mean, I'm, I, can't I can't believe I get paid to just expand my brain. And that's just the nerdy answer to it. But I mean, answer, you know, but um, I, I, it's so different, but it's right now it's just not, a, what I did today is not indicative of hopefully what will be the future. <laughs> so how about you, Judge John? I mean, why don't, why don't we talk about before uh, COVID times? What, what's your day like as a judge? So the, uh, the exciting part and the uh, nerve-wracking part of my job is not knowing what's, what's in, what's, what the day holds for you. Um, you don't know what you have until you come in. In fact, you don't know until you go out into the courtroom and they start calling cases. Um, so, um, 
you know, a, a typical day might be, um, at least here in Brighton, um, we have two sessions. We have a jury uh, trial session, and then we have everything else session from arraignments all the way through, you know, pre-trials, uh, discovery, uh, compliance, uh, hearings, motions to suppress. Um, so in Brighton, um, the typical day is my mornings are probably until from nine to one, um, dealing with all of the pre-trial cases first, um, maybe uh, do arraignments for new arrests. Um, and then if there's a motion to suppress, I will let the uh, lawyers know, uh, go get a cup of coffee, come back at two o'clock, and then we'll do a, an evidentiary hearing in the afternoon. Um, but, you know, every day is different. You know, on Wednesdays, I have civil cases on top of that. Um, so sometimes it, it, it's nerve-wracking because you get there, especially in the civil session, and you don't know what's on. All of a sudden, the clerk hands you, you know, a, a folder this thick uh, with the summary judgment motion. And you're like, you're not prepared because you haven't seen it. Uh, which is very different from, you know, when I was practicing, right? Uh, because um, in practice, I, I didn't do much work in the BMC or the district court. And so, um, you know, if I filed a motion in Superior Court, it, there's a schedule, right? You know, and there's Rule 9A. And so, you know, you, you, you file your motion. If you're opposing it, then there's rules and, and you follow it. And then they mark it up for a hearing and it's just orderly. And when you get there, it's clear that the judge had time, maybe weeks even, to have uh, read it, digested the issues, um, because they, they ask you questions uh, uh, just to uh, satisfy those little areas that you know still remain uh, um, um, in their minds. For me, it's I, I don't know anything. I, I, so I, 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 the lawyers come up and, and I go, okay, it's your motion. Explain what it is. And they have to explain what the motion is, uh, what are the facts in the case. I listen, I take it under advisement. Um, and then I have to go through the material. Um, so it's, it, it's a, just a, a different way of doing things here. But I've, I've become accustomed to it. Um, I actually enjoy the unknown. Someone who practices in, in, in both courts, it is interesting. In the Superior Court, there, there are pointed questions to fill in the blanks, like you said. At, at the District Court or BMC, it's, it start at the beginning. Um, I'm going to move on to some questions just about, you know, because we want your insight as judges. Um, are there roadblocks uh, for diverse attorneys who want to become judges? And what are they? Um, uh, Judge John, I'll, I'll go right back to you on that one. Are there roadblocks? Um, you know, when I was reading the, um, the report that came out a year ago, um, the lawyer well-being report, it struck um, a lot of different uh, um, parts of me. Um, some of those experiences I've uh, personally experienced as a, as a lawyer. 
And I, and I go back to what Judge Hom said earlier, which is, you know, based on how you've been treated, you, you sort of have aspirations about how you can be better. Um, so in terms of, uh, but the question was whether there were actual roadblocks. Um, the only uh, thing that I can say is from my own experience, and I think Judge uh, Hom shares this with me, I'm really an introvert. Um, I, I, I do not feel comfortable being out there, being the center of attention. Um, it's hard for me to, I remember even, you know, my umpteenth trial, you know, the, the night before, you know, the butterflies in my stomach, you know, in the morning, you know, uh, picking up my briefcase and heading over to court, uh, feeling sick in the stomach. Um, every time it, it, it you know, it, 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 it took effort. Um, once the trial started, you know, you forget about it, but um, I just feel like, the, and, I, and I might be generalizing this, but at least in our Asian culture, um, the, the, the litigation uh, um, is sort of an antithesis to our way of uh, uh, being brought up. Um, and, and it's almost, you have to fight uh, what you've been taught uh, for so long. And it's so counterintuitive sometimes. So um, that would be sort of my own, from my own experience, that would be the roadblock um, in terms of just sort of, you have, you have to overcome, I think, uh, some, some of these things in order to um, you know, be a trial lawyer. But other than that, um, you know, I, I don't know that there's an actual roadblock other than the ones that you put up for yourself. Okay. Judge Ham, um, same question to you about roadblocks. So uh, for my quick answer is yes, there are roadblocks um, looking like us to become judges, but First and foremost, there are roadblocks to just be a lawyer. Um, and, and I've experienced that, you know, a good example is that, you know, just by what I look like before I even open my mouth, they have a perception of a small Asian woman uh, going against, you know, three white uh, defense attorneys who look like they've been, you know, practicing longer than you've been alive. And um, the first perception of you is that, you are a quiet, submissive, compliant woman. And that is all the qualities that are not good for litigants. So I've had victims' families who um, have asked the DA to um, reassign, be reassigned, not knowing anything about me, not knowing how many trials I've done just because of what I look like because they, they didn't want an Asian, Asian woman as a trial attorney. I don't know if that's those are practices in in you know law firms. If you happen to have an Asian accent, you they might not want you. You know, there's many roadblocks. Sure. Um, so I guess I guess the answer is yes, and I don't think it's anything that we're unveiling for the first time to all the other attorneys um, who are participants. There are roadblocks as a judge that I see looking like me. You know. Um, I see the responses of the lawyers to me that are very different than they would never dare to say to other judges. You know, um, 
I see them testing me be, because I'm a newer judge in Superior Court. But, you know, obviously there are things like that. You can't mull over it and cry over it. I mean, for me as a trial attorney, um, having these stereotypes, I just used it um, for my benefit. If you think that, and then I am something different because I don't go against it by being overly aggressive. I just do what I do and do my work. And for whatever reason, they always saw me as an underdog. They always thought it was my first jury trial. Like, <laughs> okay, sure. So, so if you're rooting for me because you thought that I was the underdog or I, I was gonna be the stereotype and I broke it somehow, um, you know, I always use it to my favor. And, but I think whatever field you're in, um, you're going to have to figure it out and you're going to have to figure out your way of, um, you know, fighting against it or, you know, going over it. And, and it's your own method of doing it. You can't be overly aggressive or a certain way to get out of that stereotype or, you know, um, and then you also can't be just, oh, I'm going to let my hard work show. And that's, that's because that's our most method. That's mo usually my method. You know, I'm going to really work hard and show people what I can do, you know, because I think what we're known for is to be a hard worker. God forbid we're naturally talented. And that's something that I've been really realizing with young attorneys, lawyers, kind of instilling in them. You're actually naturally talented at certain things that we may not be looked at for being good at. So, um, the short answer, Garrett, is yes. Um, I think the the longer answer is you you know yourself, you know your field, how to um, figure it out, and talk to people who've been through it. Um, and and I think that's the best 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 way to you know overcome. And and um, you know the lawyers, um, what the report that Judge Jen was talking about, it should be no surprise to anybody. I don't know why the judges or everybody are saying this is such a surprise. If you've been practicing, it shouldn't be a surprise to you um, how attorneys of color are treated. So um, let's change it and um, figure out amongst ourselves and talk to us about how you can, this, this came up with me with my law firm partner, Judge Tom, how can, what should I do? And I, I think you should be open to talking to all of us and talking to each other, use our experiences and, um, you know, help each other out. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Judge Liu, uh, any roadblocks? Uh, I'll ask you the same question. Uh, well, there's a systemic roadblock in that uh, Asian American lawyers. I'm only talking about lawyers seeking appointment as judges, not judges seeking appointment to higher judgeships. Uh, there's a systemic roadblock in the lack of political context, however you want to describe it, the lack of political support uh, for Asian American uh, applicants to uh, the judiciary, because that's where uh, those are potent things people who operate in the political world, which most of us do not. Uh, and uh, but those kind of things, I, as I mentioned, they kind of uh, swamp everything else, all these other factors, which are so small in comparison. So the lack of, the lack of politicians or quasi-politicians or extremely well-connected uh, folks to support your judicial application. I guess that's my answer. Thank you. So um, one of the reasons um, that I mentioned that we're having uh, this panel is to let people know that 
although uh, you can't just choose, obviously, to become a judge, it is a career path that is out there. It, you know, judges, you know, they're actual people doing actual judge work. What would you say to those younger attorneys um, who could be fantastic judges, but they really just haven't given it thought? Uh, judge Lou, can I start with you? Uh, well, uh, I, I, uh, it, it's a great job by most people's uh, criteria. Uh, it is lower stress, much lower stress than that of a trial attorney, much lower stress. Um, and uh, the earlier you do it, like a lot of things in life, the earlier you do, you look, take a hard look at a choice, the more options you have, because as the years roll by, the choices narrow. So if you have any conceivable interest, it's to your possible benefit to do a deep dive into what it takes to get appointed a judge and whether you wanna do it. And I do believe, I don't speak for the court or any court at all, but I do believe it's court policy that judges approached about uh, uh, advice to good uh, judicial candidates are supposed to be very helpful. So I definitely volunteer Judge Pasquale, Judge Jun, and Judge Ham, uh, and myself also. Uh, approach the thing to do is to call up uh, the courtroom clerk. You know, it could be the judge will say, "You appear in front of me all the time. I, I can't give you a strategy," but that's fair. Uh, and uh, if you want to be a judge, you're going to have to. If you haven't already got there, you're going to have to get used to rejection because it's difficult to be appointed a judge in Massachusetts. Thank you. Judge Ham, um, what's your, what would you say to young attorneys uh, that haven't thought about becoming judges? I think that I would never have done this if I, when, I were, when I was a young lawyer, but I, I call up, just call up one of us, call up a judge. I mean, I, I, now with Zoom, it's so easy. And I, I'm always fascinated by all these, um, I do some of these talks and then in law schools and then law school students actually email and then we Zoom and, 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 and like, it's never Asian Americans, I will say. It's never Asian American students who do this because they don't think they can because I, I don't know why there is, because it's not in our realm of what we do. You know, we don't call our, uh, uh, you know, older people by their first names. It's just, there's many things, the layer of respect that we don't do. So you would be shocked how many law school students try to reach and reach and talk to me. And I talk to them because we, I can, I, I have opportunity to. Um, so, I think that Asian, and I'm always shocked that whenever I go to law schools to do all these talks, there's so little Asian American um, school students, law school students who actually come up to me and talk to me. And I'm begging, I want this because, you know, so I think you should um, be a little bit more proactive and reach us. And if you're really interested in whether or not you'd be good or not, whether or not you would like it, what's the whole process, call us call me um, and or talk to other people who are involved in other associations who would know more who who have you know knowledge of other judges that they can contact um, but you got to get out of a little bit of your comfort uh, comfort zone and 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 do that because you, there's no way to talk there's no way to know more than directly talking with us I think everyone um, that's watching today should should pick one of these judges and email them after this yes. <laughs> Judge Chun, uh, how about you? What would you say to those uh, to those people that haven't thought about becoming or 
wanting to be a judge? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit, and I'm going to assume that if you're joining us tonight, you have some interest, or at least be open to it. Um, but if you have a real interest and you know that this is what you want to do, and there are people like that, because I had a, a, a classmate who's now a colleague of mine on, in the BMC, but when we were uh, students as 1Ls, um, he, he said he wanted to be a judge. And, you know, those are, there are people like that. But then there are people like me who really didn't give it a, any real thought. But what I would say is if you do have a strong interest, um, like Judge Hom said, um, reach out to us. Maybe we can tailor our advice to you, maybe strategize a little bit. Um, and then uh, call somebody else because they might have a different take. You know what I mean? Um, just talk to different people. Um, but for the rest of you who maybe not have a strong desire, but think yeah, maybe it's a possibility, I would just say keep that open-mindedness open uh, uh, there. Uh, keep it open. Um, whatever it is that you're doing, um, do it well, you know what I mean? Um, and, and treat people, um, you know, with respect. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, the greatest advice that I got when I first became a lawyer was, you know, when you go to court, don't just show respect to the judge, you know, um, the clerks, um, the probation officers, um, the court officers, you know, they all, and work gets around. And as previously said, the legal community is really small, especially here in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, even after a, a few years of practice, we all develop some type of reputation. And if you do end up applying at some point, um, having practiced with, you know, um, sort of that respect, uh, that's gonna uh, reward you because uh, the people who are gonna come out supporting you, um, I was very surprised uh, that my biggest supporters were my opposing counsels, you know, where I have um, really uh, uh, fought with them, you know, but then, you know, we grab a beer, talk about our kids, uh, and those are the people who came out to support me, uh, even when I didn't ask for their support. So whatever it is, you know, job it is that you're doing, do it well, treat people well, keep your mind open to the possibility that you can be a great judge someday. Hey, that's great advice. And actually a, a great note to, to end on, we're at, at 5.01, so, uh, a minute over. Um, I want to thank all the judges. Thank you guys so much uh, for coming here. Uh, obviously, there are some different viewpoints. There are different journeys to getting to the point where you guys are. And I'd encourage everyone that's uh, that's watching today. Certainly, uh, the judges have offered themselves an email uh, to learn more about this process and what it takes to, to become a judge. So, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. Everyone.